What's up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls? Welcome to the Sober Grind. Sober Grind. We're back. We are back. No, we and live. we are live. I can look over there, and I can look over there. If I look over there, I'm talking to them. And if I'm looking over there, I can talk to them. Yes. Depending where you're looking at or your angle, maybe you are a, uh, a super fan of the Sober Grind and watching us in uh, on dual screens from multiple angles, regardless of where you're looking, we are happy to have you Welcome here everybody. on our program today. Today we have, we're going we're gonna to tug at some heartstrings a little bit. Mm -hmm. And what are we talking about, Bish? Today we're talking about... The, you know, the status addiction stories we have heard. Pesh does not age, by the way, apparently. <laughs> um, yeah, so, you know, there's a reason for this. We, we can sit here and talk about all the good things that are going on with people in the recovery world. And, and there are a lot of success stories. And I think in the weeks to come, actually the following week, next week, we're going to talk mm -hmm. about miracles and milestones because of a good Yeah, story. yeah. Make sure you tune in next week. Uh, we have Jamie Coco on. Can be an awesome, yeah. awesome stream, awesome uh, podcast to listen to. He's uh, he's hiking. He's going to Mount Mount Denali. Jim. Denali, that's it. He's yeah. he's, he's hiking be... Denali coming up. Mm -hmm. Which, if you know anything about mountains, it's, it's huge. It's in Alaska. Yeah. So we're going to get his uh, his amazing recovery story and everything he's got. That's next week. This week, what we want to talk about. The yes. reason we want to talk about the status stories and tragedies, things that we've been seeing, things that I've experienced. Uh, you know. Obviously, addiction will never have a shortage of people that are addicts and alcoholics, unfortunately. And um, some of the things that I've been seeing, this is, it's starting to, mm, you know, I'm starting to be more open to the fact, because I always want to fight addiction. You know, if, yeah. in a perfect world, I wish that we could abolish all addiction and all alcoholism, but um, not likely, will never happen, right? That's like Nancy Reagan telling people, uh, just say no, and everybody just stops, right? Yeah, even in, even in countries like China, where it's criminal offense to get caught with anything, you still see it. Well, people got, I've known Americans in China that were arrested for doing LSD. Sure. I don't know that, that that would be the smartest country to do it, but no, probably not. Yeah, but you know, why not go on a passive trip in China? Anyway, crazy. So today, what I wanted to talk about, you know, is some of the things that I've been experiencing. You know, in the last few years. I'm, I'm 11 and a half years sober. And once I, when I first got sober and got very involved in the, the community, the recovery community, um, they told me, make sure that you buy a suit. Mm. And I said, why is that? And they said, because you're going to be going to a lot of weddings and you're going to be going to a lot of funerals. Yes. And, okay. and, you know, if you stick around, you're going to see a lot of people drop, you know, off the face of this earth. Yeah. And they weren't kidding, you know. Statistically, more people that go into recovery end up going back out. Unfortunately, it's very unfortunate. Uh, when I was told that at first, I wanted to be part of the uh, ones that stay, which yeah. is a small percentage. Um, what I've seen is just just today, for example, I was talking to a young man. Very, he looks very well put together in recovery. He looks good. He looks really good. But to hear his story, the things that he was telling me about himself, the fact that he came from a well-to-do family in Orange County. Um, he uh, had been to several treatment centers. He had been in and out of many recovery homes and things like that. And to hear like that he was shooting heroin in his neck mm. and living homeless on the streets of Costa Mesa, near the Costa Mesa DMV, which is right around the corner from here. 
Um, you think what happens? Like what's going on? What what happens to these people? And why why do they get to that point in their lives? You know, what kind of traumas have they endured? What kind of things have has gone on for them in their lives to get them to that point? I mean, to shoot, you gotta think about this. And I, I have this conversation with a lot of young people when they talk about shooting meth or heroin or just the fact that they're intravenously shooting drugs into their bodies. Yeah. You must be going through a lot of pain mm-hmm. in your life. A lot of turmoil, like inner turmoil within your life to the point where you have to shoot drugs into yourself just to numb you out and get you loaded. You know, and then it doesn't necessarily have to be with with uh, drugs that you can shoot. People drink themselves to death or they drink sure. themselves into an oblivion to the point where, you know, they get alcohol poisoning and then they have to go and get, um, they go through the DTs and all that stuff when they go to an actual detox facility where... Um, you know, the, the, it, it, it's life-threatening, truly. Yeah. Like sometimes when people are going through detox, if they're not getting a proper oh, alcohol, alcohol and, yeah. you know, benzos, sure. the, the, those type of detoxes, mm-hmm. if you're not detoxed appropriately and properly, you can die. Mm-hmm. You can die. Yeah. So w- without naming names, of course, so what uh, your friend or the guy that you mentioned mm-hmm. that was shooting heroin into right. his neck, What's a little bit about his story? How did he get to that point? You know, him I didn't really talk to too much, but it's funny, like, because I'm surrounded around different people who have, who are sober or barely getting sober again and again, there was one in particular who I was with um, a little bit later today, and I talked to him, and I love the kid. I mean, he's he's such a sweetheart of a kid, right? And you'd never think, but the guy's always smiling. Mm-hmm. Always smile. He's always in good spirits. So you never think that every time that he goes off the deep end, which is quite often, um, why what happens to somebody like that? Why why do they get that way? And I know when he's using, he's not yeah. smiling. He's not the happy-go-lucky guy that he is. So one has to wonder, like, what is it? What happened? And um, in talking to him a little bit more today, more extensively, you know, and learning about his background and, um, and what it was that happened to him. I realized like, oh, okay, that makes sense. A lot of people lose people that um, to addiction or to other other ways, sometimes to addiction and many other things. But when you lose people that are very, very close to your heart, and I don't want to say names or, sure, or describe yeah. too much of what I what had happened, but this particular person lost his brother and he lost another friend of his that was also in his family, like another brother that was raised by his own mother. Um, and then on top of that, several, several friends too. You know, they just all fell off. Some of them that he was actually using them. So when you see all these people dying around you and you never actually go through a grievance process and you don't know how and you don't have, you know, you've used up all your resources, gone to treatment several times, and then you got people that are dying around you, what what do you expect? Somebody's going to definitely use drugs, you know, to or alcohol to try to make it through all this, through all the pain and turmoil. Yeah. So, and how, how often do you see that versus mental health issues? I see a lot of mental health issues, I, but you know, I think uh, usually people that I see with full-blown drug addiction, let's not say the ones that I've seen with bipolarity or with with um, dual diagnosis, you know, co-occurring disorders, just the ones that have been using for a long time. Sometimes it, was, it started off with experimentation. Sometimes there's some deep-rooted trauma. Sure. You know, there's a lot of people that, Addiction is very stigmatized by lots of people. They don't realize that people that are out there have, have had 
certain events that happened to them in their lives that have really, really shook them, you know, that have put them in a position. Some people have been you know, molested. Some people have been raped. Some people have been through many, many traumatic experiences to where the best thing that they could do is to, to numb out. You can't blame them. You yeah. can't blame them for just wanting to get out of right here, right now. Yeah. So what are, uh, also, if anyone's listening and, and you feel comfortable sharing uh, some or part of your story, um, like us to uh, address it, or if you have any questions, please feel free to write in the comments, or if you're listening to this afterwards, you can always email us uh, at Austin or Pej at beginningstreatment.com. We would love to, uh, to hear your story, maybe even have you on uh, an episode if you'd like to, uh, to share your story. With I see James people. Coco's online now. James, we're going to give you a, a call after this, man, and, uh, and discuss uh, the awesome conversation we're going to have next week. Yes. So before, I'd love to turn this positive later on, yeah. uh, but let's, let's, keep, let's keep digging this trench mm -hmm. down uh, to the, the real side of addiction that is a lot of heartache and right. devastation. What are some of the most devastating stories that have stuck in your head? That you can remember? Well, I do know that there was, you know, there's a lot of people that never get the chance of getting to, to the recovery lifestyle. They don't get to recover, right? Yeah. But the saddest thing that I saw once was a guy who I saw in recovery that was all about it. Like he was mm -hmm. doing it 100, right? Yeah. I mean, the guy had, um, he was mentoring young men, he was helping people. He was uh, attending lots of 12-step meetings. He was really, really big in the recovery community. And um, he got into a relationship mm -hmm. with somebody. Nobody really knew who that person was, but it was, it was questionable. Um, he hadn't got to mend his relationship with his mother, which was something that he often talked about. He wanted to be able to be in his mom's life again because she had completely, even though he was sober for about five, six, seven years, yeah. She wasn't letting him back in. And I think that that really messed with him and then got into that unhealthy relationship with God knows who she was. But he ended up taking off with this girl to Vegas. And all of the guys that he was mentoring started, you know, questioning, where is he? Why can he not be found? He was staying in touch with all of them. And then he ended up um, going and relapsing really hard. But nobody really knew like, what had happened. This is what we had heard. The final reports of him disappearing and what had happened was that he was on the side of the road trying to help somebody with fixing their tire. Okay. And, oh no, actually, there was somebody else on the side of the road trying to help somebody fix the tire. And he was driving by and he was loaded and he ended up hitting that person with his car. Okay. And then he crashed and ended up going to, he made it to a hospital. He tried to walk into the hospital, was looking to get pain meds. They weren't giving it to him. He was acting out. They kicked him out of the hospital. They, they made him leave. He tried to come back in hours later. Again, they weren't giving him what he wanted. He was very angry. And then he came outside and somebody saw him sitting on the side of the hospital, sitting upright, dead. Wow. Yeah. And this was a guy that you, when you saw him, he was, again, a sweetheart of a guy. Yeah. Just a beautiful soul. Such a nice guy. And sadly, you know, this was tragic. You know, when you ask me, like, what stands out? Well, that one really stood out because I got to go speak on eulogy as uh, at his funeral. And, you know, he was a friend. He was a dear, dear friend of mine. I love him. You know, and, and it's very sad that not only was he not able to work through his stuff, you know, 
with his mother and, and be able to work, be in her life again. But he also went off, you know, he went off the deep end and ended up relapsing really hard, which became his demise. You know, he, it didn't take very long. He wasn't out very long. And that's the problem with addiction is that when people um, have some time sober, if they end up relapsing, it's a progressive disease of addiction or alcoholism where they'll, it'll get bad really quick. And it didn't take very long for him. It was within a few weeks that he was you know, off the Richter, out in Vegas, nowhere to be found, and this experience happened and he died. That fast. It's just grips, yeah. Did yes. you um did you see the uh the Nate video that we put up? I did not. Okay. What is that? We'll have to watch it. So uh we, we talked about it a, a little bit last time. Um if you go to the beginning's YouTube channel, um uh, Nate, one of the uh, alumni at Beginnings, shared his recovery story, and it's just it's just heartbreaking uh, being in the room. You know, I was making me teary eyed, yeah. and everybody I gotta uh, check they, that out. they watched it. Yeah, um, it's a you know on the topic of, of dev devastating stories. He he lost his his girlfriend, the love of his life, died in his arms because mm. they were drinking and driving, uh, going 100 miles an hour, and it's just it's just heartbreaking. It is heartbreaking. Yeah, it's things like that. You know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But now he's, uh, he's nine, nine or 11 months old. Right. He's, right. he's doing awesome. I love that. Yeah. What questions do you have? Even if you don't have questions, tell us, where are you tuning in from? If you're watching the show today, where are you? What city are you in? What country are you in? Who are you? Say hello. Let us know that you're there. Um, shall we continue? Yeah, let's, um, let's start spinning it around. Okay. To the positive aspect. Sure. So, do you have any stories that stand out of of really heartbreaking stories that you didn't think were going to make it, but turned it around? Absolutely. So, so I'm happy couple, that you bring that up. A couple comments come in here. Hi, Grant. Vivian. Nice to see you. Aris, Laporte, Indiana, and Albuquerque. Big love to you too. <laughs> he calls me Brian. That's my other name. Um, okay. So there was. There, there have been a few miracles that I've seen, right? Yeah. Uh, one of them was a kid who, he was a nightmare. I mean, he was by far one of the most defiant people that I've ever seen in recovery. Uh, he, he was always, um, every, all of his intentions and his moves were very questionable. Yeah. You could just, like, he wore his shadiness on his sleeve. Mm -hmm. We knew he was up to no good, right? Something about him, though, like we connected pretty well. For some reason, he, there's something about me that he liked, and there's something about him that I liked. Mm -hmm. And he was in a different treatment center, and I'd see him. Um, I saw him at a retreat one time, and he just did not look like he wanted to be there. It was totally uncomfortable with his skin. And then um, finally, you know, he came into a setting where I was kind of running this place. It was up in L.A. And the kid had left his treatment center because he snuck heroin. Now, he had completely lied through his teeth. Um, they were on to him. They did a hair test. The hair test came back negative. So he thought he could have away. He was upset. He felt justified that they, you know, that they made a big mistake here. That, uh, but they all knew he was lying. They knew he was full of it. And mm -hmm. what did he do? He ended up going um, to his parents' house and um, running amok overnight, stealing money, doing a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And and then he. His parents kicked him out and had him come to a house that I was running up in L.A. And when he got there, the kid was, you know, again, same mentality. He was totally blasted out of his mind. I mean, when they came and they dropped him off, 
His eyes were rolling in the back of his head. He was drunk. He had been using heroin, Xanax, all kinds of things. So he was totally, totally blasted, right? And then when they brought him, they left him there. And for the next few weeks, it was like, I just knew that I had a very troubled individual on my hands. It was pain in my butt, right? Like I hated working with him. I hated talking to him. But I just, I, I needed to be an acceptance of who he was. And I just left it, you know, I, I left the ball in his court, basically. I told him, you know, you don't have to do this stuff if you don't want to, but, you know, hopefully, eventually, you will um, come around. Because I feel like everybody has a chance of getting well. You know, I really, truly do. I believe that we all get the opportunity in life to find the best version of ourselves and live in in and through that. So what he ended up doing was um, he was really, he he had no desire to live a spiritual lifestyle Mm -hmm. except for he loved doing yoga. And okay. he loved doing yoga. And, and so he, yoga can be a very spiritual experience. Absolutely. Yeah. The thing was is that I think his upbringing, you know, how he was raised, his dad was very anti-higher power, anti-God. Yeah. So he was not about it, right? So we'd sure. take him to meetings and he'd just sit in meetings and be like, this is BS. I, I don't like any of this. I don't like being here. I don't want to be sober. He would absolutely insist, like, I don't care what you guys say to me. I'm going to get loaded again. I'm going to get loaded. I would just be like, okay, well, I mean, if that's what you want to do, you know, can't squeeze blood from a turnip. So we ended up uh, keeping him there for a while. And then, you know, he wasn't conforming to the certain house rules that we had. So I ended up uh, one night, you know, giving him, we had an ultimatum. It was a traditional shotgun group. We sat with him, we talked to him, and we, everybody in the house, like, told him how he's affecting their recovery and how he's not following the rules of the house. And then finally, I asked him, if there's one thing on this God-given earth that you would want, what would it be? Can you tell the truth? He said, absolutely, I want heroin. So I ended up taking him, I took him down to Skid Row. This was a, we're on the west side of Los Angeles. Now I took him to the east side, right in the downtown. Okay. And dropped him off on the streets of Skid Row. And that's scare him. He was wearing board shorts and flip-flops. He was from San Clemente. When we dropped him off, he was, um, he couldn't believe that I dropped him off in that neighborhood, but. I don't know if you've ever been down there on a Saturday night, but it looks like the set of the night of the living death, right? There was a lot of... Super sketchy. It was really bad. It's like 10 yeah. city, third world country. Everybody saw him five people do not yeah. look well. And and he, when he got back, I, I, I got scared for him. I waited for him. I watched him walking on the streets and scrambling and handing out cigarettes to people. And finally, I told him, get in the car, let's go for a drive. We went for a nice little spiritual drive and drove around the neighborhood. I said, just look around you. Look at all these people out here. Look how they're living. This is your future. You want to keep doing heroin? You want to keep getting loaded? This, this is where you belong. And um, you can tell he was scared straight, right? But also something about him was that um, he he said, no, I want to come back to the house. And we took him back to the house. And and he, not only did he conform, but he transformed. Wow. He became a whole different man, a whole different human being. Um, he really, really, I never saw this level of humility uh, come about in somebody that quick. That progressive, you know. So you think it took it just took really seeing his future, seeing that in reality. It was a wake up call for him. Yeah. It was a turning point wake up call. He was a smart kid, but he was too smart for his own good. He had already been in college before he got before he got really bad on heroin. So he, he was educated to a certain extent and he had some goals and aspirations before, I believe. But I think he was really down on himself and when he got deep into his addiction, yeah. he had kind of just given up on everything. So what ended up happening is that he ended up running that place where I was, oh, wow. where I was working. Mm-hmm. And then he ended up moving down to Orange County and working in another treatment center. Now he's in law school. 
And, oh, good for and he's him. four years wow, old. That is amazing. So for a guy that was like laid out on the front step after we yeah. picked him up and he was loaded and wants to be sober and all that. And I was just thinking about it this morning. It's like, what a miracle. This guy was a nightmare. Like there was no, there's no way I thought he was going to stay sober just solely because of his attitude. Yeah. His, his defiance, you know, his non-compliance towards wanting to stay sober. So people do get well. Everybody can get well. Everyone can. If they give themselves that, that chance and that, you know, that opportunity. The problem is, is not many do because they either die before it's too late or they don't think that they can live up to, you know. It's hard to see it in the moment. In the midst of it. it is hard to see it in the moment. And the, the problem is, is that, you know, the type of drugs that some people are using these days, it's Russian roulette. You don't know what you're doing. You don't, first of all, you don't know where it came from. You don't know who made it. You don't know what it's cut with. Right. You know, a lot of these kids think that they're doing heroin. It's cut with fentanyl. Yeah, you know, somebody's making it stronger. Did you, did you hear about the, uh, the what's it, sufentanil? Just got a, yes, just got approved. Yes, it's stronger than fentanyl. What's the purpose of that? I, don't, I have no idea. I have no idea. What? Is it just, just possibly is it to alleviate more pain that <laughs> your patients could have? But don't think like don't, they don't think that this is not getting going to get in the hands of it's gonna people. We saw the, the severe rise in fentanyl overdoses. Mm-hmm. What could possibly happen from an even stronger substance? And you know, it's, it's funny because um, 25, 35 years ago, we didn't know what fentanyl was, I don't think. Sure. sure. There was no well, such thing. Really so burst on so you'll always get new drugs. Yeah. People are always doing experiments in the labs yeah. and coming up with new stuff, you know, yeah. things that are stronger. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mass forms, cool word. Everyone can. Mm-hmm. Does anyone else want to share any stories, any thoughts? Let us know where you're, you're watching from. Oh, yeah, but I see a nice comment here. Fabian, hey, one thing I would like to add as an ex meth addict is how is it that in Argentina we don't have that crap? We don't have heroin period either. Do you think that there are powers who want people numb there? I went from smoking an eight ball of meth a day to none after 10 hours. Um, I couldn't get out of bed without leaving the bowl loaded next to my bed and torch next to it. I got here at 12. You know, I, I really, I love that question, uh, Fabio. So here's the thing. Um, I don't know, you know, as far as, I know like in Europe, there's not as high of an addiction problem as there is in America, yeah. especially with opiates. You know, there's, more people that are seeking treatment in the U.S. Uh, per capita for, due to opiates, right? Mm-hmm. And as far as meth goes, I mean, meth usually hadn't been anywhere except for on the West Coast and a little bit in Central United States in the last uh, couple of decades. Now I'm hearing about people in New York that are actually getting their hands on meth. Mm-hmm. You know, it's become right. it's 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 found in the sure. U.S. too. So one has to ask themselves, and I used to think this too because I used to do a lot of meth. But growing up in Orange County in, in Southern California, Los Angeles, there was a lot of meth. You know, the bikers were bringing it through in the, in the late 70s, early 80s. Yeah, crank. Crank, right? right? Yeah. So I sometimes I asked myself before, like, I wonder if I didn't leave, live on the West Coast, would I have become a full-blown meth addict? Well, I mean, obviously it was very accessible, but I think of it like this. As an addict, I was seeking to get any kind of substance to put in me that made me feel good. So when I tried cocaine, that made me feel a certain way of sorts. I tried 
back then crystal meth and I didn't like it at first, mm-hmm. but over a period of time, I, I acquired a taste, a, a liking to it. And so I got into it. Now, by the way, real, real quick segue. If you haven't seen that crystal meth video that, that Pej does sharing his experience, it's, it's wild. It's, it's crazy. It's on YouTube. Uh, it's on YouTube. Yeah. If you just just you should, the devil's dance. Yes. Yeah. You should That's be able to just search what is meth like and you'll see a picture of, of Pej. Um, Incredible. You gotta watch that. And Grant is saying that meth has always been in Chicagoland area. Yes, you know, meth's been around for centuries, but I, I get what um, what Fabian's saying is he's in Argentina that you don't find it there, right? Yeah. But there are other drugs. Sure. I mean, I know people in Argentina that are addicted to drugs. So I do, I know what he's saying, and, and I, he's probably asking if the powers that be. Devil's advocate. <laughs> if the powers that be. Um, pump it into certain areas more. Mm. I wouldn't doubt it. I mean, really though, like, why did we go to Afghanistan? Yeah, and what, sure. what, what, what was the advantage of going to Afghanistan? You have to ask yourself that. So, um, you know, there's a purpose for everything. I think that, and I've said, I, I say this so often, is that the cartels, um, and the cartels will do all their distribution of drugs throughout the United States. They make sure mm-hmm. that every state is hit. Whoever is behind the cartels, who knows? But they do make sure that the opiates are produced in mass production and, and sold all throughout our country. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy that I can take you down a black hole. Let's see. Any other questions before we're running a, a little low on time here? But, yeah. Uh, I think we discussed a lot. Today, yeah. Both, um, you know, both tragedies. Real quick, as yeah. far as tragedies go. Um, it's very sad that this is something that I see a lot. Yeah. Um, pregnant women on drugs. Mm. It happened to my sister. The, this is exact. My nephew was born uh, addicted to heroin. Right. Yeah. It, it's when you're in our world, it's yeah. very common. I see people addicted to heroin, people addicted to suboxone, kids, yeah. babies born addicted yeah, to crack. Really there used to be crack babies in the 80s and 90s. Yeah. Um, it still happens, you know. And then there's uh, kids that are addicted to meth. And then mothers that smoke cigarettes when they're pregnant, you know. Sure. Um, drink a lot of alcohol. Drink a lot of alcohol, you know. One has to ask, you know, when you're doing things like that, um, how's that kid going to come out? You know, they may be asthmatic. They may uh, come out addicted. It's very, very, very easy for them to be addicted to opiates. You know, the problem is, is when you're using opiates in your pregnancy and then you have a baby, that baby, when it's born, is going to have to go through its own detox process. Yeah. You know, it literally happened to my sister and my nephew, yeah. I mean, that's, a, tra- that's yeah. a tragedy within itself. Yeah. You see, how do you still look the same, Pej? Um, Pej ages very well. <laughs> amongst my friends, I joke and say I did the cleanest drugs and they preserved me, but I won't say that here because I'm not promoting drugs. I don't know. I, you know, I may look good on camera. I don't look good in real life. And then on top of that, my body don't feel good, so... My, all those times I used to think like my uncles would always say, my back is hurting, my feet are hurting, my, my neck is hurting, and it hurts. And I'm sure you feel that too, Fabio. But you always look better than me. <laughs> says love you, man. Love you too. All right. Let's, uh, yeah, this was a, a great episode. Hopefully everybody uh, enjoyed this. and Hopefully it wasn't, uh, it wasn't too depressing. <laughs> <laughs> we have more positive shows. More, uh, yeah, there's a lot more positive shows. If anyone has a, a topic suggestion or if there's ever uh, something you'd like to, to learn more about, 
uh, please feel free to send us an email at austinorpej at beginningstreatment.com. You can always comment on this afterwards. You can leave uh, all of your thoughts in a review of this program. We uh, appreciate all the amazing feedback that we get every single week. Um, you can listen to this podcast anywhere that you listen to podcasts, mm -hmm. whether it's uh, iTunes. What's it, what's it labeled as? Sober Grind. You just search. Uh, you can do a Google search for Sober Grind, or you can look in uh, iTunes or, uh, or Spotify, um, iHeartRadio, wherever you listen. Uh, it's also on YouTube. We keep all of the videos on there. And, of course, here on, on Facebook as well, you can search Sober Grind. Uh, if you prefer to use Instagram, there's an Instagram on there, and we post uh, fairly regularly. Uh, and then, um, you want to talk about the uh, Facebook group? Facebook. Well, we have a Facebook, Facebook group called Ask an Addiction Specialist. Yes. Is the link in the bar today? It's in the in, it's in the comments. I was doing a little bit of a test today. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Ask an Addiction Specialist is a page that means the hosts. It's a uh, a page where if you have any questions, you know, if you have somebody who's addicted to drugs or alcohol, or you might be having a problem with drugs and alcohol, and you have any questions and you would like a professional answer, come in to ask an addiction specialist and ask whatever you'd like. And then um, we always have a professional, you know, that's on hand that will give a readily available. Yeah. Uh, Trust me, it's just, a, it's just a great resource to ask any, uh, any questions that you have uh, about addiction and recovery, get support. Uh, you can do it anonymously or you can do it uh, however you'd like and, uh, and you'll get the answers in, in more pressure situations. Yes. That's great. So I hope everyone enjoyed today and we will see you next time. So we're going to out.